Welcome back to our conversation with Will and Tasha Archer. Last time we talked about preparing yourself to build community. We talked Mm -hmm. about confronting sin and looking at sin and taking personal and communal responsibility so that community can come into a great space. So uh, right now we're going to be talking a bit more about, okay, so what next? How did you start and how could someone listening, how could we get that started? Yeah, absolutely. Again, very excited that we're having this conversation. I think it's important to recognize that a community is by definition multi-generational. And I think that was one of the things we had to decide was that we were not going to live our lives with siloed ministries, but we would really work together. Um, It is easy if your goal is to kind of affect change, to mobilize the most excited people and then kind of leave everybody else behind or hope they catch up. So um, so what our, our aim has been as we've uh, kind of moved towards a focus on community was really getting everyone involved. And we prayed for God to give us opportunities to do that. A really unusual op- opportunity happened in the middle of this process. Uh, we uh, have a small campus um, that's a, a part of kind of the geography where we serve at the University of Mary Washington. And uh, we had one student there at the time. And we... I put the call out for the fact that we would do a campus swap with many of you that have done campus ministry, or involved in campus ministry, are familiar with the campus swap. Which well, is really bold because if you have one student, you can't swap. Like right. you can only right. campus more of a campus give. Camp- yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's, so Small we're students, asking please. everybody to come here and we have nothing in return to give you mm. except for our love and our food. Which is great. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's really, really good. Yes. It's amazing what happened though. Three weeks out, we had about 10 people interested. Two weeks out, we had about 20 people interested in coming. On the week of, 60 people showed up. Wow. And so it created an environment where our very comfortable suburban church had to decide that we're going to open up our homes and invite all these wild college students to come in and be a part of this campus swap. And we you know, served the community and shared our faith on campus, but the transformation honestly was not so much what we did externally but how it really transformed us internally or even Mm -hmm. on campus it wasn't really even what happened on campus it was the fact that all of a sudden these people had to be giving (laughs) they Mm. had to they had to accept had to accept kids well kids these are grown-ups let's let's call them grown-ups these are young adults they had to accept young adults into their houses that they did not know and hadn't been prepared to Mm -hmm. accept Mm. Because people literally showed up at people's doorsteps at 12 midnight sometimes. Yep. And they had to open a door and they're like, okay, we're doing this. We're doing this. <laughs> so, mm. this so, is- so that was transformative for us because it really created the springboard for us to launch an internship program. And over the past five years, we've been able to train well over 50 interns over the summers. And we're able to fund that effort with um, really um, our mission's contribution increasing which again, for us, these are key indicators. So there was a seismic change in the number of young people that came to the campus, the campus swap. That resulted in us starting an internship. But to fund the internship, we, we called on the community. We said, look, we, you may have resources. You're going to have to increase your giving to, for us to reach this younger generation. And I'm really proud of how the Potomac Valley Church responded. And I, I believe all people respond when there is clear vision and clear expectation. Um, that's laid out. Historic- and sometimes you have to be pushed a little bit. And you, when you're pushed, you realize. You mean stretched. Stretched. Yes. Go. Sometimes you have to be stretched. And we were definitely and, stretched. Hmm. And it's funny because 
when people were stretched, they realized, I actually do like this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is actually a good place to be. I like to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I haven't done this in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that year we went from, you know, seven years prior, we're giving thirty-five dollars to $40,000, much of it that we we're just giving away to international mission work, to our missions contribution that year went from 40000 to 75000 which provided the money for us to be able to have the interns. The year that followed, it went to um, $123,000. The year that followed that to $98,000. The year that followed that to $127,000. Um, uh, this past year to $118,000. So there's been That's a, just a part of the stretching. So there's been a consistent shift that's led to our missions contribution either doubling, tripling, or quadrupling in size so that we could fund these efforts. And that's what's funded our internship. It also opened the door for us to be able to bring uh, younger folks on staff. We're able to have a number of young people that are being able to work with our young professionals, uh, work with our, our, our youth ministry, and they've radically changed our fellowship. Um, with their energy, with their faith, with their enthusiasm. But it hasn't been that we're dependent on their energy. It's I, I as an older person, I as a family, I sacrifice so you can do what you're doing. You're able to do what you're doing and help me with my family. So there was a, a real sense of collective responsibility and collective investment that was shown both in the way that we invest our time and the way we invest our treasure and the way that we mobilize talent. So, um, and that was something that was a constant message that we wanted to communicate uh, to the church was, uh, we're going to have to do this. And, and uh, we're about to make another big step in that regard as we now um, put more emphasis on uh, really spreading the gospel to Spotsylvania, King George, Fredericksburg, and Stafford. Um, we're, we're, again, going to go back to what we know uh, of, of really saying, let's sacrifice in a great way so that we can have, um, you know, greater leadership investment and greater kind of evangelistic energy directed uh, both there as well as, you know, here in Prince William County and uh, wherever we live and serve. Yeah, it's like the um, your treasure really is where your heart is. Yeah. And it showed that there there was a shift there. Um, you talked. You mentioned earlier about you know the simplicity. There was right. a sim, you know simplicity to the message to sure. the strategy. We'd love for you to expound on that a little bit. Yeah, we you know we we looked at the scriptures and we listened to what others were doing, and we really distilled our message down to three simple principles uh, that anyone in Potomac Valley will tell you that we follow. One is that we gather. The other is that we're committed to serve, and the other is that we're committed to multiplying. One of the things we realized that was a systemic issue that we have is that our restoration-oriented, mission-oriented family of churches puts an incredible emphasis on Matthew 28, particularly Matthew 28, 19, as our mission objective, which, which is right. But, but sometimes we fail to recognize that Matthew 22 and Matthew 25 come before Matthew 28, that you really do need to ensure that there's sound formation of faith that is oriented around people loving God with everything, loving their neighbors themselves. It's really important that Christians exercise a commitment to serving the community, Matthew 25, as a means of them truly showing their love for their neighbor, loving their neighbor, retaining their humanity as Christians, and not simply becoming kind of... uh, you know, products of, of a, a systematic production or an institution. 
In that context, Matthew 22, Matthew 25, then Matthew 28 is fulfilled as the uh, result of a process of multiplication. So we, we focus on having gatherings where we, we worship God on Sundays, gatherings where we're in small groups and we have Bible discussions, Bible talks, gatherings where we're in discipleship groups, gatherings where we're in discipling relationships, uh, gatherings where we just eat and laugh and we practice what we see lived out in, in Acts 2. Um, and then we, we've made a real radical shift for us to engaging in community service in a local context to a much greater degree and engaging with local community partners and serving in the community and being known in the community um, as a church that's really committed to, to uh, caring about the community. And yeah, we kind of got to a place where we we realized that our faith was kind of siloed out. I don't know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of goes in sections, mm-hmm. you know, like you're we serve here mm-hmm. and that's all we serve. And that's the only time we serve. It's the only way we serve in this group, in this context, <laughs> you know, and we're we share our faith here, you know. And this is how we do it. You know, we go out and we do cold contact and we, you know, whatever. This is how we reach our neighborhood. We we have all these strategies and all these things where we do it this way. You know, we have, what is it? We have, um, we invite people to come to church. Like sharing your faith was literally just you invite people to come to church. And if they don't come to church, then they're not open. You and know? they don't have any value to you. Yeah, and you're you don't mm-hmm. see a reason to build a friendship with them because they're not open to coming to church. So what is the point? You know? Yeah. So so you're not gonna give your heart there because your heart's just gonna get broken. They're just not open. Mm-hmm. You've decided it and it's over. And you move on to the next person. And we realized that our faith had become really uh transactional, you know, where mm-hmm. we we're like, oh, and so everything was even even service had become transactional. Mm-hmm. Like, I serve you because if I serve you, then you'll see Jesus and then you'll want to say the Bible. <laughs> and wow. you, wanna, you know, like all those things just kind of go hand in hand. But what we realize is that none of that is Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. none of that is Jesus. And people aren't stupid. You know, like they <laughs> know exactly what you're doing when you're doing it, you right. know? You may not be aware of it, but they yeah, know. Aware, but I might be stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They know. So so that was the thing that really impacted us in Indonesia, actually. We saw something different. We were like, wow, there is no agenda here. You know, in the relationships, the reason why they were able to have 800 studies or whatever, 800 is just kind of a, a good number to throw that out was, there. That, that was, was how they had. That's how many they had well, at one point. Had, but that's how many they had 12 years ago. They actually have around 1,400 people studying right now. Like all the so, time. But the way they're able to do that is because they truly love people one at a time. Mm-hmm. There is no, you're not open, so I'm not going to build with you. <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm not even coming at you, inviting you to come to church first. Right. I'm not. I'm just going to love you first. I'm going to invite you to my house. I'm going to let you meet my kids if I have kids. <laughs> I'm going to cook for you. I'm going to I'm going to do something fun with you. I'm going to serve with you, not not even just serve you. I'm going to serve with you. I'm going to live life with you. I'm going to invite you into my life. And I'm going to love you so much that of course one day it could be it could be 10 years from now, it could be 50 years from now. 
I don't care. <laughs> One day you're going to want God. And that's not why I'm loving you. I'm just loving you. Right. Now that sounds amazing. And like, you know, carefree world. If I didn't have a full-time job, mm-hmm. if I didn't have other relationships, <laughs> yes. you know, it sounds yes. great in that context, but does. how, how does that work? That's a great question. I'm glad that you said that. Cause I, I think I also want to point out that, what we believe about sound salvation doctrine is immovable because it's from the Bible. Mm -hmm. It is a healthy thing to (coughs) knock on people's doors and share your faith and reach people through cold contact evangelism. Mm -hmm. But the posture that you have is the difference. So, and, um, and I think that's the the key that if you make a turn to embrace Jesus, uh, it's important to recognize that Jesus' engagement with us, by definition, is not transactional. Mm-hmm. We bring nothing to the equation. His relationship and engagement with us is relational. So in a practical context, it means that everything that you do as a disciple is to be like Jesus. So if you're at the grocery store, you are greeting people with the warmth that God's given you or going through life if you're having a bad day and you're really making every effort to be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. You're inviting your neighbors into your home to get to know them and you do want them to become disciples. That agenda is always our agenda. Like we always want, our belief is that the solution for the world is the multiplication of disciples. But what informs that process is we start with an understanding that we've got to love God with all of who we are and then we have to be willing to love our neighbor as we would love ourselves, We have to see Jesus in the face of every person, Matthew 25. Mm-hmm. And therefore, everything that you do is centered around Jesus. I do want to be really clear about this. I was talking to Ed about this actually last week. What we're proposing is very hard. It is. It, it, and I don't want to soft sell that. Like, when you say that your life is about discipleship, it means you're going to have to squeeze out things out of your life that are just meaningless and distill your focus to my life is about rep- representing Jesus in all that I do. So in practical terms, it's a transformation from the inside mm-hmm. and a commitment that all of your relationships are going to be oriented around relationship and not around transaction. And on an even more practical level than that, it's one person at a time. One person at a time. Um, It can be very overwhelming to think, okay, now I'm going to change all my relationships and I'm going to love everybody I walk into it. No, you're going to do, you're just going to take it one person at a time. And all all the different relationships will have different levels for you. Some... A couple of those relationships are going to get really deep, whether or not the person is open or not. Right. And they're going to, one of the things I I started praying, you know what? It starts with your prayer life. One of the things I started praying was, God, please increase my capacity to love people. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I felt like it was very low. I felt very overwhelmed by, by what I thought I was expected to do. Right. You know, in order to love people. And as he did that, he just increased it with one person, honestly. That's how he began. And I prayed, God, let me to love this particular person, whether she wants this or not. Right. And I got to a place where I was like, you know what? what it, to me right now, I'm not about when she makes it. I'm about, I just need this person in my life because I love her. She is my friend. We do love together. I will together. always be there for her. Right. And she will always hopefully be there for me. 
And so there, and then eventually that turned into, of course, she studied the Bible. She became disciple, and you know, but it took, it took her a while, but I didn't feel impatient. I didn't feel, I just felt like, you know what? I have faith that everyone is supposed to know about this. They can choose it or not choose it. And I'm going to make sure that she knows that she can make that decision. But when it doesn't even matter to me, it's mm-hmm. God's timing. That's not up to me. And I think so many times we decide that it is up to us when the person makes it. And it puts a lot of pressure on the relationship. And then you can't truly love them without an agenda. Yeah. And I think the key here is not production, but reproduction. It's it's multiplication. So if, if your end goal is the formation of faith with someone who is a disciple of Jesus who can reproduce the message of the gospel, the, the focus is not transaction, it's relationship. So it's relationship, reproduction. We, we gather so that we can serve in hopes that we would multiply. And we put our faith in God. I think it's important, even as we're um, kind of talking about this, I shared in the earlier section that our congregation only grew by three people over a seven-year period. In, in the five years since we've embraced recognizing our sin and decided that we're really going to embrace uh, you know, focusing on community and building community, the culture within the church has radically changed, and we've seen the number of disciples increase by a hundred. So we've actually grown in five years mm. by a hundred people, but you wouldn't know it. Wow. There's not there honestly, and I have tons of respect for this. There's no campaign, there's no pressure, there's no push, there's no, there's none of that. There's who really you are. It's just who we are. Like yeah. we love people. People that are looking for God are attracted to what we're doing, and the Christians are learning to grow in their faith. And we have a very long way to go in, mm-hmm. in the development and the formation of faith. But there is a, a piece that I have in ministry, uh, particularly now, but definitely it's been happening over the 12-year process that I've never had before. There's a, a, a real sense that it does not depend on me, and yet I'm going to give it all of my effort, and I'm going to pray for increased capacity, like Tasha talked about. Sounds like faith expressing itself through love. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. Yeah. That's what we're learning. (laughs) So so let's distill this to make one simple thing. If I'm listening in my car, um, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. What Hypothetically speaking. Yeah. What if you... What's the one thing that I could do starting today? If you know today is Thursday, what could I start doing later today or on Friday to start putting this into practice, whoever I am? I think Tasha nailed it. I think I would start by praying for God to increase your capacity, praying for God to help you to love people the way he loves them, praying for your neighbors, praying for your family, praying for the church that you're a part of mm-hmm. to for the capacity, the, the, the willingness to open your heart wide to the people that are around you. God answers that prayer because God loves the people that are around us. And he's desperately looking throughout the world for those whose hearts are fully committed to him so he can strengthen them to really love people and, uh, and express his love through relationship and not through transaction. Mm-hmm. And then just take a moment and think of the person you're most excited to build with that you haven't bothered to talk to in a while mm-hmm. and call that person invite that person over to your house invite them to do something fun with you build something with that person what i love about that is it 
doesn't matter if you're extroverted or introverted, if you mm -hmm. love people, you hate people, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. obviously we're called to love people, but mm -hmm. we have different capacities yes. for being mm -hmm. around you know, or different tolerances for being yeah. around people. Yeah. Yep. But it's very simple to pray mm -hmm. and to pray for God to inc increase whatever capacity, you know, we do have that mm -hmm. we're starting with. So mm -hmm. that's really inspiring. That is fantastic. That's going to wrap up this part of our conversation and uh, join us next time. We're going to be with the Archers continuing to talk about building community.